Hello everyone and welcome to Tatties and Tofu. I'm your host Kumi and in today's episode, which is our pilot episode, I'm very, very ill. So yeah, my mum is in Edinburgh, which brings me to my guest, my mum. Hello. This is Eddie McKenna, my mum. She is from Hokkaido, Japan and moved to Scotland when? Uh, well, move for good in 1998. And then you had the miracle, which was me. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So today we'll be talking about my mum's experience of moving from Japan to Scotland, uh, which I'm sure you can imagine is probably two very different countries, and her experience of being here, especially as a POC during the 90s and early 2000s. So, Mum, do you want to talk about, I guess, your first thoughts of Scotland or how you came about to first coming here? So, sometime beforehand, I met your dad. Uh, indeed, that the first time I came to Scotland, uh, to North Lanarkshire, to visit him, was 1995. And by then, um, well, I spent four years in uni in the States. So I was imagining Scotland was going to be quite similar to America, which you know it's not, and it wasn't at all in 95. So uh, in the beginning that I (laughs) arrived at Glasgow Airport, and I was thinking, you know, that the American English will work. And it worked. They understood, people understood what I was saying. But I didn't understand what they were saying at all. So it was quite shocking. And was it Glasgow Airport you first landed at? Yes. So 10 times harder. Oh, it was so hard. And yes, it was very surreal. I know that they are speaking some sort of English, but I don't understand it. <laughs> and before you actually met my dad, were you? did you ever have a phone call or was it mainly letter writing to each other? Oh, uh, we did have phone call, I think. And did he put on an easy accent for you to understand? Probably, yes. Or he was speaking very slowly for me. It's very hard to imagine a Coatbridge accent being made slow and easy. Oh, but no, you can. You can if you tried. It's a very nice accent when you come around to it. But yes, (laughs) if you don't know it, you don't understand it. So your first time visiting was mainly for holiday purposes. Yes. Uh, during that, I think it was the first or second time around when I visited, there was an orange march going on. Oh, God. Coatbridge area, which is, uh, people might know that there is mainly Catholic in Coatbridge. And uh, yes, it was, uh, for me as a stranger, what's going on? Is that a festival? But people seem to be aggressive to each other. <laughs> Uh, didn't know what was going on, but uh, yes, it was uh, yeah, very strange sight 
people marching in the middle of the, the public road. Uh, quite jolly, but uh, bystanders are just looking quite, quite kind of, you know, uh, agitated way. That must have been the first and last Orange March in Coatbridge. I'm sure it happened before, and you know that it happens even now, uh, not only in Glasgow area, but also in Edinburgh, which is amazing, but, uh, and mostly peacefully. But uh, around that time, you can imagine that the uh, troubles in Ireland were still, you know, very fresh in the memory. So that the religious conflict was quite raw, even in Scotland. Especially in an area like Coatbridge, where there's so many people of Irish origin. Yes. So... It felt, I didn't know what was going on until I was told by, you know, that the, your dad and your aunties. Um, I felt the tension there, which was quite strange, coming from a peaceful country like Japan. And what year was this? So I would say 95, 96 or something, somewhere around that, mid-90s. I see. So when you came here in the mid-90s, especially to Coatbridge, North Lanarkshire, did you see any other people of colour? No. Well, of course, not the Asian people, South Asian people, you know, that the Indians, Pakistanis and Bangladeshi people, they were there. But not many of them. And, you know, that the Chinese restaurants were operating around there as well. So... There were Chinese people in shops, but not many either. So what was it like meeting my dad's family for the first time? Because I doubt they would have had a lot of, I guess, closer experiences with people of colour or foreign people before then? Mm, I don't know for sure, but uh, your aunties... uh, you know, that the work and in their workplaces, there are people of color, and also that the your granddad on your father's side uh, worked uh, far and away as a radiologist. So, you know, they were very welcoming, and that was the best part um, in my short marriage that uh, all your dad's families, family members, are very welcoming. And, um, you know, that, that there's no racism there at all. And how would you compare your first impressions of Scottish people compared to what you were used to in America and Japan? Because, well, I obviously know my aunties and they're just super welcoming and warm people who would let, you know, if I had a friend who was coming over, they would welcome them into their house. So, I mean, what would, how did you see the differences? No, no, it's just, oh, well, between America and here. So in America, uh, to be precise, I was in the South, uh, Mississippi and Alabama. Spent there for four years. So it's, as you might know, is a uh, very, they used to have slaves and that, the, you know, that they were forced slaves during the Civil War. So um, even though there's much uh, less 
racism there now in the 20th, late 20th century. And I'm sure now too, um, there was a cold, very cold indifference and divide in the states, uh, in Alabama and Mississippi, between races. So, for example, if you are walking downtown uh, in a city, and that you are Caucasian, and that you see black people uh, coming on the same side of the pavement, Caucasians might move to the other side of the pavement, you know, the opposite side of the road. Um, and that the, in the university, when I went, uh, that, that there were two big rooms in the canteens. And the one side usually was people of color, and the other side was usually Caucasians mainly. So that kind of very cold uh, divide, they are coexisting very well, but the cold divide was there in America at that time. But uh, in Scotland, when I came to Scotland, it was much more mm, mingled in a way. At least in the beginning, I didn't see any hard division. Why do you think that is? Do you think there's a reason for that or? Mm, what's the reason? Because part of me wonders if the POC population is just so low uh -huh. that, for example, like you could be, well, an Asian child in a school and you'd be the only Asian child. So you're probably not going to form a friend group with people with similar ethnicities because there is nobody else with the same ethnicity. Uh-huh. Whereas I'm sure Mississippi had a higher POC population and I'm sure they found comfort maybe in making friends with people of similar races because then you already have that instant connection Yes, that's possible, but um, yeah, it could be that the in states that the, you don't because that the both populations, POC population and the Caucasian population, are very large in the size, and they don't have to mingle so much. Whereas in Scotland, that the, they are not large population, or they are not large population of POC at that time when I came over. So they had to, they were kind of forced to assimilate more or less. That could be the reason. I feel like that's how I see it here. Uh-huh. You're kind of forced to assimilate or else. But then again, that the people, you know, indigenous people who are Caucasians in Scotland, that, that they have had long history of going out of the country compared to America. America was a recipient of people of color. Whereas, you know, Britain and British Empire went out of their way to mingle. Mingle is a way to put it. Conquer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe that kind of mindset has uh, makes a difference in the long term. I mean, uh, on in other way to put it is I, f I felt and I still feel that the many parts of America, that the people can be quite insular 
they don't have to look outside of the states. Whereas Britain has been always, almost always, exposed to other countries. So that might make difference uh, of that, uh, you know, higher to tolerance or higher acceptance or how one should behave when, you know, one meets other races. So I'd also like to talk about uh, any of the noticeable differences you've seen since you first moved here and first came here? Well, so I definitely, definitely see more people of color. That is one thing. And uh, I don't know if it's because of more migration or that the natural uh, course of um, exchanging people, you know, like accepting foreign students who stay on. But as you, as you know yourself, that the, we see more people of color, uh, all the different shades of color uh, in cities in Scotland, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, Stalin. So that is one thing. And also that the uh, eating habits have changed, funnily. Uh, when I arrived in mid-90s, most people are still very much stuck to traditional British food, dishes. Haggis, neeps, and tatties? Yes, yes. Yeah, meeps and tatties, you know, shepherd's pie, scotch pie. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I have told you this before, but when I was pregnant with you, uh, I went to... I went to Big Tesco in Cobridge and I found aubergine for the first time in that Tesco. So I was quite excited. You know, it's a popular vegetable in Japan. So I, you know, put it in my basket and went to the cashier. And uh, the lady there asked me that the, is this avocado? So. <laughs> <laughs> You've never told me that story before. So I was, uh, no, that's Obachin. And then, you know, that the uh, American in me wanted to say, like, no, that's eggplant. But anyway, so that happened when I was pregnant with you. And you can't imagine that anymore, right? When you go I, I didn't know aubergine was something that new <laughs> to <laughs> Scotland. I thought it was like a classic vegetable. I thought so too. But it wasn't there to begin with. Uh, I mean, it was not common. <laughs> and um, so now you, it's so different. You can go to, you know, that the, it doesn't have to be big Tesco. You can go to any express supermarkets, you know, any uh, street corner. And you can find aubergine, avocado, lemongrass, things like yeah. that. It was so difficult to find. So, how well, how were the Asian grocers then? Were they open when you came? Yes, yes, there were those uh, last Chinese cash and carries in Glasgow, of course. Oh, okay. So, that was good. 
And the, uh, when I came over here, that was, we already had mobile phone of some sort. And of course, the internet was there. You can connect it to, you know, by computer. So I could have ordered, I, I mean, I did order like Japanese food from London online. So that was possible. So that was not too bad. Yeah, because I remember even when I was a kid, even sushi was still quite an out there thing. I think it's still out there for many people. But for young people, it's so hip now. Whereas I remember when I was a kid, it was just like, no. <laughs> yes. So at the time, like, uh, I, yeah, Thai, Thai food, for example, was very exotic. Before the age of Wagamama's. Yes, Wagamama in my mind has, you know, both merits and demerits and, you know, but they did democratize Asian food. Now, we're going to talk about me. Yes. (laughs) So obviously, when you were pregnant, you knew you were going to have a biracial child. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd hope you'd know. (laughs) Yes. Was there anything that you felt like you had to prepare or anything you were worried about or you know how did you think how did my grandparents react no as i said uh, i didn't feel any difference yet i mean obviously your dad was happy and that your aunties were happy and my parents were happy your grandparents on your dad's side was gone already unfortunately so they didn't know, but everyone was happy and that I really didn't have any worry as such uh, about, you know, having a biracial child at that point. I indeed really, really didn't worry about it until you went to primary school, I suppose. Because then I knew that there weren't many people of color or biracial ch- children. I really, at that time, locally in Cobridge or Edry, I didn't know anyone who was Chinese or, you know, Japanese or Black, Asian, any. So then I was slightly worried. Yeah. So to give context, I went to a primary school in just outside of Airdrie and in the entire school it was only me and a Pakistani boy who was in my class were the only people of color up until I was in like P6 or 7 and then a a girl of Chinese descent started and I remember when she came everybody was asking me if she was my little sister (laughs) because they couldn't comprehend like there's another Asian person who's fully Asian and isn't related to Kumi (laughs) god no (laughs) (laughs) yeah no (laughs) um but you know I mean do you have any memory of me coming to you for the first time about an incident maybe I didn't realize was racist but was because I was talking to one of my friends about this. I genuinely don't think I realized that me or you were of a different race until I was like, maybe P2. Uh-huh. 
No, I don't. I mean, in primary school, that the I mean, you did tell me that the, that incident uh, that the Chinese girl came into you know below you, and then that the people think that the, are you you know not the related kind of thing. You did talk about it, but no, I really didn't. I mean, you were invited to your friends' birthday parties and all those things, and that I didn't see any anything really strange. And my thoughts at the time is that、uh, because I was working in Edinburgh, and I knew how Edinburgh was, but then I thought where we were in Cobridge Airdrie area is that、uh, kind of, you know, actual Scotland outside of cities. In city area, that the people are more kind of metropolitan. And that the more people of color live here because of universities and you know businesses and so on, but I felt if you were to survive in Scotland, you had to experience and how to, you know, you have to learn how to deal with those、uh, people who are not so much exposed to different races in Scotland, which I still think is majority in a way. I think it's definitely majority. Yeah, unfortunately,、uh, I I mean at the time、uh, I thought that the people, my colleagues and my friends in Edinburgh, were quite genteel about racism, or that the this it doesn't have to be outright racism, but you know that the, this、um, well-meaning ignorance. You know that the not knowing or not being sensitive enough、uh, about different races and how to approach it, really more or less, or not to approach it, and that to be really colorless is a really difficult area. And、um, I feel that the people in Edinburgh are not really、uh, exposed to that the hard fact that the many Indigenous, Caucasians, Scottish people, do not know how to do that. Yeah, I I think majority of the the racism. I don't know if you're well. I'm assuming you're similar. Majority of the racism I really experience day to day is like often the well-meaning. Yeah, which makes it hard because it often takes a second to realize, but. It really does get exhausting after a while.、Mm-hmm. It is. It's like、uh, so.、Um, yeah, as you know, that the when I was back in Japan, and I didn't like it in the end recently, and came back to Scotland, Edinburgh. But one thing which was comforting in Japan was、uh, once I'm, you know, once I'm out of the door. I could just blend in perfectly in the local population.、Uh, I don't stick out as anyone different.、Uh, I was, you know, that was just、uh, one of them、uh, in that、um, uh, like ninety-five percent Japanese population in Tokyo. Whereas here, that、uh, you you know you are. Judged or you are identified as someone not Caucasian, more or less, from time to time. Once you are out of your own flat, 
Yeah, I was reading a book called, I think it was called The Souls of Yellow Folk, and he wrote something like, um, when you see another Asian person, you know that people here will look at that Asian person and kind of see you as just the same. You know, like, you're not an individual, you're an Asian person. Yes. And uh, so that is, I don't know if it's a society or it's in my mind. Um, and uh, it helps when I'm, you know, stepping out of my flat now in Edinburgh, where, you know, densely populated by students, including Chinese and, you know, other Asian uh, students. Um, slightly that buffers my sense of, oh my God, I need to be, you know, careful about what I do, <laughs> kind of thing. And that, the, uh, but still, that when I go out with my uh, Scottish friends, and uh, that the, some, from time to time, I'm told that the, uh, I was told by someone that, the, oh, you are walking, you are walking in Princess Street uh, with an Asian woman. Who's she? kind of talk and how dare they hang out with an asian woman <laughs> they need to stick to their own race <laughs> but that's uh, is it's quite telling and it's um i would easily probably do that too but you know you are oh well, i am always identified as an asian woman in scotland not woman, middle-aged woman, very short middle-aged woman, not that. Always Asian woman comes first. It's quite telling. Yeah, I <laughs> I feel the same since nobody seems to recognize that I'm biracial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny, though? Because <laughs> uh, apart from your you know, dark hair color and eye color, you don't really much look like me most of the time, I feel. I mean, I feel like I've grown into your features a bit as I've gotten older, but huh? I feel like, um, like especially when I look at pictures of me as a child, I looked exactly like my dad. Yes, I think so too. But I guess it's just like, you have slight non-white features, you, you're just automatically identifiable as, mm. you know, other yeah, but that's that's that. So, you know, that the passing as white is a thing, or was a thing in America some time ago, you know, even if you're biracial, if you looked white enough, you'd go for, you know, calling yourself white. Yeah, I feel like that's undoable here <laughs> to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's, it's not a great way to... Uh, you know, to improve your self-esteem if you had to do it in the longer term. I feel like maybe in the past it was something that was handy because when I think about how many products are made specific or how many things are or were advertised towards white people, mm-hmm. like, uh, like, okay, so one of my friends in high school was originally from Zimbabwe, she couldn't just go to the drugstore and buy foundation, for example. <laughs> she had to go to Mac in Glasgow and buy expensive foundation. 
she didn't have any budget options. Time. And the, as I mentioned, uh, in the States, in the South, we are about what I think that at the time, nearly half of the population was, you know, people of color, mainly African-Americans. I, yeah, I don't know how they managed to put makeup on, really. Because, uh, as you mentioned, that the, in department stores and drugstores, they really didn't have great range of colors for foundation and you know any other colors eyeshadows you know lush all those things uh, they didn't yeah i can't imagine how ugh, difficult just things like that that like even i don't really think of because i'm quite pale skinned mm-hmm. that uh would just be an annoyance mm-hmm. <laughs> to darker colored people day to day so that side of things changed, but it's mainly not the social change, I think. It's just a commercial awareness by those makeup companies who realize that the people do have money, you know, people of color do have money to spend on those things. So they should cater to people. So another question I had was, obviously, as I've gotten older, a lot of my projects are related to my identity as someone who's Scottish and Japanese. Mm-hmm. Was that something that surprised you or did you expect that? Or do you have any feelings on that I talk a lot about my experiences and I guess my viewpoint as a child? A lot of my stuff is based on my viewpoint as a child. Mm. Um. I, yeah, I do realize that our path uh, vis-a-vis racism are quite separate because I have a history as a Japanese person born and bred in Japan. I know I have identity as a Japanese who lives in Scotland. Uh, Whereas you are Scottish person who happens to have Japanese mother and that who happened to have, you know, some cultural background in Japan, but mainly rooted in Scotland. So you are Scottish, and I'm Japanese. Uh, and that the, these, you know, difference makes make quite a separate experience, uh, you know, as far as dealing with people are concerned. So in a way that you have to deal with it in a more, more complex way. And I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that um, I I think that the whole thing that the, you are doing is good. You know, that the sharing your experience, talking about it, those are very important. Uh, and that the, it's great that the, you can share it in with a wider world now with uh, internet and you know social networking uh, to reach out to people who might be you know like when you are a child that the uh, he or she doesn't have anyone looking like themselves near them but you can share those experiences you had with them is a great thing for future. And uh, fortunately, that uh, you, 
you have, you know, uh, you are, you have decided to do this, and uh, that you are not, like, uh, I should say that you are not overly damaged by the incidents. You still have the fights in you to fight back those, and that uh, I think it's really good. You feel angry when you know those uh, offending incidents happen, and that uh, digest it yourself and share with the world what happened. Wow, there we go, guys. My mum is glad that I get hate crimed. <laughs> no, no, I'm not glad. <laughs> but uh, I just feel that the, you are you are in somewhere in a long line of improvement toward the future. At the fair, things will be better for you know biracial kids or people of color going forward. You're part of it. Hopefully, but that should you know all those incidents you have experienced really shouldn't happen to begin with. If people had respect for each other, no matter what, no matter what age or what race or what gender, those incidents shouldn't happen at all. So, mum, as you kind of mentioned earlier. You went back to Japan mm-hmm. in twenty seventeen, and then you came back. And you said, "Well, you told me when you the plane landed in Scotland, you felt back at home." What What is it about Scotland that, that feels like home? Do you feel like you're a Scottish person now, or is it the just the feeling of Scotland? No, uh, I don't feel Scottish. Um, I think I'm quite comfortable being outsider. Um, anywhere really, not only to Scotland but in Japan as well. That after spending nearly twenty years in Scotland, I felt stranger in Japan. That is fine. But uh, what about Scotland? Uh, is that the one thing that is that I grew up as an adult in Scotland. I got married, I had you, divorced, you know, lost some family members, uh, saw some family members get married here, and all those adult things happen here. So in a way, this is really, you know, that the, uh, my foundation as a grown-up activities so that is one thing. And also that I have to say, you know, that the, uh, Scotland is not perfect, but there is, a, there is an openness to people and society. Uh, and that I like. I feel that the Japan, because of their very uh, unanimous population, uh, society is quite closed, in a way, uh, to new culture. And uh, for us in Scotland, um, those adventure into new culture is quite democratized. And you know, no matter what societal class you are in, people go out, have holidays, eat different food, 
you know, lead English translation of different literature, that kind of thing. So I appreciate that part of Scotland. Is there a message you would like to give to the Asian people listening to this podcast? No, no, I feel, I suppose that I feel, um, you know, we are one, that the Asia people in Scotland, we more or less share a similar experience. So I feel supported by uh, Asian community in a way, even though I don't have direct communication. You know, there is some connective tissue in our experience. So um, I do appreciate uh, their being there. And I hope that I'm nice to all people all around. So if you're Asian coming to Scotland, you can send your cult application to my mum and join the Scottish cult of Asians here. (laughs) Um, I'll also be there to help initiate you. (laughs) Good. Well, thank you for, um, yeah, setting this up and being part of the pilot episode. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to the pilot episode. And I hope you can tune in to the next one. Bye. Bye.